he goes and gets wings and throws them on the board. Now listen, man, this guy's breaking <laughs> barriers down. You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Just watch me dance. Leafs Lunch is brought to you in part by Two for One Pizza. Enjoy plant-based garden pestle pizza, pizza and wings, pizza and penny combo, and more. Visit twoforonepizza.com. I'm Mike DiStefano. I've got Luca Celebre in here with me. Uh, we've got Jeremy Rutherford going to join us in a couple of moments from uh, St. Louis Blues writer for The Athletic. And I was just thinking about, like, doesn't it feel like that Leafs-Avs game was so long ago? Like, I feel like I haven't watched the Leafs play hockey in, in a while just because there's been so much that has occurred since that last, since that game. It, it just, I don't know, is it just me or does it feel like it's been a while? I didn't watch that game because it got off to a horrible start and I oh, did yeah. not uh, did not partake in enjoying <laughs> any part of that game. <laughs> it was a good game. I'll tell you that. Oh yeah, for the Leafs, yeah, yeah. It was a good game. it's a great it was, game. It was a great game, and uh, well, they'll they'll look to continue that success here tonight against the, the St. Louis Blues. Will be in Scotiabank Arena. Ilya Samsonov getting the start tonight. Um, he's been a little yeesh, last few starts. You know, he's got an eight fifty save percentage. He's got a, a four oh oh goals against average over the course of his last three games. But he's going to get the start at home where he's been fantastic. 9-0 and so far in his career. Uh, well, this season, I guess, in his career as a Maple Leaf. In Scotiabank Arena, like a 150 goals against and a 940 save percentage. It's actually incredible the, the, how amazing he's been at, at, on home ice. I, I think this is a good decision to try and get his confidence back because if when this team gets good goaltending, I mean, we saw that stretch run they went, you know, where they had multiple games with points. A lot of that was due to just terrific goaltending. And this team is, it's hard to beat when they're getting saves. It's true. And Blues have lost four or five coming into this one yep. too, so you're taking advantage maybe of um, the matchup here, especially with Ryan O'Reilly and Vladimir Tarasenko not in the lineup for the Blues. So. Um, not to say it's an easy opponent by any means because this is still a solid team. They're still in the thick of the the playoff race in the Central and the wild card. But um, if you're looking to get a guy's confidence back, you know he plays well on home ice. I think it's, it's just a, a very smart tactical decision by Sheldon Keefe. And that's what you have to do when you have two goalies playing like this. You have to be smart about deploying them in certain matchups and making sure that you can maybe get a guy's momentum back this way. Um, we were all praising the goaltending play, and rightly so, when they were playing really well. Um, but you knew it wasn't going to last that well for the yeah. entire season, right? It's going to be, you know, 940 saves exactly. goalies the whole year, right? <laughs> exactly. I don't think we have the second coming of Igor Shesterkin here, but... Not quite. But you put them in the best positions to succeed, right. and this is exactly what Sheldon Keefe is doing tonight. And you have to love that if you're a Leafs fan when you're talking about the goaltending situation and how the entire organization and, and Keefe recognize um, the need to to deploy their goaltenders like this. Yeah, and I mean his last game was against St. Louis Blues, mm-hmm. so it's a team that he knows that he had. You know, his, his last start point. was against this team. Yeah, they got the win. It was you know a. a 
scare one, had to go to overtime, but ended up getting the victory uh, regardless. And you know, it's, it's all about dubs. It's a winning, it's a wins-based <laughs> business, as they say. Uh, let's head, uh, let's head to St. Louis. Jeremy Rutherford, St. Louis Blues writer for the Athletic. Jeremy, thanks for joining us today. Oh, anytime, boys. How are you guys doing? Not too shabby. Are you in Toronto or are you in St. Louis? I am not doing some work back here in uh, St. Louis, so I'll miss this one, uh, but watching back here in, in St. Louis uh, on TV. You're missing some good Ontario January weather. I got to tell you, <laughs> it's, oh, it's, it's terrific. The, it's all the snow's gone. I'm, 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 it's above zero. Well, I guess like 32 <laughs> in your neck of the woods. It's, it's really, it's, it's not a bad time. If you have to, had to make uh, a January trip to Toronto this year, it's, it's not too bad. Um, but, some tough news to begin the year 2023 for the St. Louis Blues, though. Yesterday, they put Ryan O'Reilly and Vlad Tarasenko on uh, injured reserve. They'll be out for a few weeks here. Uh, how much of a blow is this for the Blues and, and their playoff push currently sitting on the outside looking in? Well, it is a blow for sure. Uh, I've been saying for a few weeks, and, and I believed it, that uh, the Blues probably should have been thinking in the way of moving their uh, pending free agents probably even before these two injuries and now I think that these two injuries to uh, O'Reilly and Tarasenko kind of confirm that that's that's what the Blues in fact need to do. You look at the success they've had under Doug Armstrong. Look he came in in 2008 he was kind of the GM and waiting for two years so officially he takes over in 2010 and for the past 12 years the Blues have been one of the top five or six teams in the league points percentage wise and they've done it without any many high draft picks. You had uh, an Eric Johnson in there in, in 2006. You had an Alex Petrangelo in there. Uh, but by and large, there haven't been many other top ten picks. And so they've been able to sustain the success. And that's because Doug Armstrong was able to not only have a core, but then continue to develop a, a sub-core underneath it that was eventually going to take over. And they just haven't been able to... Uh, to quite uh, re hit the reset button, I don't think many of these years. And so you look at this Blues team, and you know if you've seen some Cup contenders, this didn't appear to be one uh, this season, uh, even with those two guys. And now without them, uh, I think that Doug Armstrong probably needs to capitalize on some of these assets that he has. That totally makes sense, and it'll be interesting to see kind of what he does. You mentioned just how competitive this franchise has been since he's taken over. It'll be interesting to see um, the direction he goes into to rebuilding it, and maybe it's not a hard rebuild, so to speak, but just um, how he retools and, and kind of gets them back to the playoffs, and um, that starts with getting different guys' looks in the absence of some of these top players. So who are you looking at as far as the players on the roster right now that um, with increased minutes have the potential to step up and, and really stake a, a spot, not just for this season, but for the future and rebuilding this Blues team? Yeah, it's a good question, and it's interesting. And Doug Armstrong had something really interesting to say about uh, this uh, that I'll get to in just a second. But, you know, I think when you look at this game tonight, Blues-Leafs, you're going to look at the Blues' top six, and it's it's still a pretty good group, even without O'Reilly and Tarasenko. You're still going to see Robert Thomas, Braden Shen, Jordan, Cairo. You know, it's a a decent top six, but obviously the trickle-down effect you're going to have guys in, in the bottom six that were either in the minors a couple of days ago or, or uh, fighting to get on the fourth line on some nights. And so now they're going to be counted on in the bottom six. One of the call-ups is uh, Jake Neighbors, uh, first-round pick of the Blues just a couple of years ago. He's kind of yo-yoed uh, going back and forth between uh, the NHL and the American Hockey League. And on this last uh, stint in the American Hockey League with the Springfield Thunderbirds, 
uh, put up some decent numbers. I think he had nine points in nine games. Seven of those were goals. So he'll probably be on the third wing tonight, uh, third the line at the left wing uh, tonight. And then you've got a few other guys. But what Doug Armstrong said yesterday, and I agree with it, is this is a tough environment to bring young players into and expect them to uh, to, to play well because the Blues haven't been playing a good team game, a good defensive game all season long, uh, even with their regulars in it. And so if you're not playing a cohesive style, especially in the defensive zone, you know, how do you put a 19, 20-year-old in there and expect them to, to try to play a team game when the veterans aren't even playing that style? So, you know, will the Blues come together and, you know, rally behind the losses of O'Reilly and Tarasenko and play a scrappy style, gritty style? Yeah, sure. You know, that always tends to happen, especially right out of the gate, right after the injuries. Uh, but uh, I don't expect Doug Armstrong to bring too many young players up and, and just kind of throw them into this based on what he said yesterday. Well, I'm curious. You mentioned that the team has been struggling defensively for the most part of the season, and you know I'm looking at the the, the goaltending, and that seems to have been struggling all year as well. You've got an 896 save percentage out of Jordan Bennington at 316 goals against, and uh, it's 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 not any better for Thomas Grice, who's been backing him up. I mean, is that Jordan Bennington having a, a an off season, a down year, or is that a combination of uh, you know the the play in front of him just not being up to par yeah the play in front of him and and when you look at the stats uh particularly with bennington it's some of the most misleading numbers i've seen in 20 years of covering the league from a goaltending uh standpoint he he's had a it's hard to say this when you look at the numbers he has had a solid year i mean anybody who's uh, watched the games on on a nightly basis and you know i know that's uh not everybody um, knows that he's been very good, and he, uh, you know, was the victim of a lot of backdoor goals, a lot of, you know, struggles on the penalty kill, so on and so forth. Has he had two or three nights all year where, you know, maybe he wasn't electric? Yeah, sure, um, but I think that for the most part he's been terrific. You know, Thomas Grice hasn't played a ton. I think some nights he's been really, really good, and you know, for a 36, 37 year old, you're like, wow, that's exactly what you need out of the backup. And then there have been other nights that were expected uh, where he hasn't played real well. So I think from the goaltending perspective, like if you had to, to, to grade the three positions, forward D and, and goalie, the goalies would get the highest grade at this point in the season, even though that save percentage doesn't look all that uh, attractive. I got to tell you, it's, uh, so I'm just looking at hockey reference right now. and I'll pose this question to both you and uh, you and Jeremy. Did you guys know that there was a, a stat tracked on this website Really bad starts? No. <laughs> For goalies? No. no. I didn't know that either. I'm just looking. I saw RBS. What is RBS? And I hover on it. Really an interesting bad one. starts. And it's, I guess it starts with a save percentage below 850. And, uh, yeah, so Jordan Bennington, I guess, had six really bad starts, according to uh, whatever analytics they're using for that. So I guess six starts with a sub-50, uh, 850 save percentage, which, to your point, doesn't necessarily mean that he's playing bad. It means that uh, you know what's going on in front of him isn't great. And Toronto's dealt with that a lot over the course of, I mean, my lifetime, but it's been a little bit better um, ever since, uh, the last couple of seasons at least. Uh, we're chatting with Jeremy Rutherford, St. Louis Blues writer for The Athletic. Um, I'm curious, though, like when you look at tonight's game in particular, you know, Ryan O'Reilly was a guy who typically got that tough matchup, right? He's gone. Who is that person that uh, Craig Berube is going to be expecting to step up tonight to get that Matthews or that uh, Marner assignment? 
Yeah, they'll probably have to share it, especially at home. That's going to be tough, you know, uh, Toronto being at home. Uh, you know, this would be tough even with O'Reilly in the lineup. Uh, we saw that game just a week ago. Blues did a, a decent job. Uh, you know, O'Reilly is that stalwart for sure. They've been grooming Robert Thomas to be that guy, and I think he's become a much more effective player defensively in his own zone, kind of taking some of those late-game draws, even defensive zone draws, uh, you know, against some of the best centermen in the league. And so I think Robert Thomas being groomed to be that guy for sure. They gave him the big eight-year monster deal that's going to kick in uh, next year. But I think with uh, where they shape up right now with their lines, you'll see Braden Shen at center, and uh, he's probably going to have to split that assignment, you know, depending on, on what they do with the matchups there in Toronto. But, uh, you know, I, I think after that it just significantly drops off. So they're going to have to, uh, to to use those two guys. And, you know, when I say that, uh, Noel Atari is probably going to center that third line for the Blues, and he's been a, a terrific guy, uh, you know, all things considered for the Blues playing in the bottom six. Probably been one of their top five best players. So, uh, But you're, you're talking about all-world players and uh, and Matthews and that group up there. So I think uh, Robert Thomas is probably going to be the line that uh, that you're going to see. We mentioned Ryan O'Reilly. He's been a hot topic of conversation here in Toronto, and I think he will be until the trade deadline because a lot of people have looked at him and have thought that he could fit in well with a team like the Leafs who might be looking to add another forward on their second line. Um, but if, if someone hasn't seen Ryan O'Reilly play this year and just kind of looks at his his box score numbers and sees the the plus minus they might think he's fallen off so to speak what have you just seen from his game that those numbers really don't represent or has it has it been sort of a down year for him because it's been a down year for this entire blues team from that defensive side of the puck perspective well, first of all, I'm wondering if you're looking over my shoulder at my laptop the past couple days because we had a Jonas and I had a story all ready to go at the Athletic about uh, how how a trade might work with the uh, St. Louis and Toronto for Ryan O'Reilly, and that's uh, on the back burner now with him out for the next six plus weeks. So, so maybe you have to revisit that when uh, Ryan O'Reilly gets healthy. But yeah, no, it's interesting, and I think that was going to be the part that we were looking forward to spelling out for Leafs fans about O'Reilly is that you look at the numbers and. Uh, you know, he hasn't been great, but he's been better than the numbers. And now you guys are going to say, well, this is two guys in a row, Bennington and O'Reilly, that you're trying to tell us are better than the numbers. And, you know, th- those guys have been. Now, let me say this. Ryan O'Reilly, 31 years old. He won a Conn Smythe, won a Stanley Cup a couple years ago with the Blues. Has he lost a step? Yeah, I think uh, everybody who's watched him this year would say that. You look at his assists. Six assists. Like, that is insane to say that this deep into the season – a top-line center has six assists. He'll tell you that himself. Like, he just sits at his locker and shakes his head. He can't believe that. He said, I'm not, I'm not creating enough. But I will say this, and, you know, take it for what it's worth. They started him this season on a line with Jordan Cairo, and Jordan Cairo had needed a map to get back to the defensive zone. Uh, you know, he got the new contract at the start of the season, and he admitted that uh, the expectations, even though it didn't kick in until next year, uh, were a little bit hefty. And so he struggled. Ryan O'Reilly didn't have anybody on his line helping him play defense. The plus minus just grew and grew and grew, and, and now it's you know minus 16. The only guy that they found who could fit to play with Ryan O'Reilly that clicked was a, a guy, Josh Levo, and he's not a top-line player, but it worked, so they stuck with it. So you know there weren't uh, situations where there were a lot of finishes going on on that top line. So you know I do think that there are circumstances why Ryan O'Reilly's numbers, you know, the offense isn't greater. The plus minus isn't better, uh, but I think it, again, if you're sitting there watching him every night, he's played better than those numbers would show. 
Uh, he's done some things that you can't measure that have willed this struggling Blues team back into some games and kind of kept it afloat. Um, and I think most importantly, it's obvious to me, you know, covering the Blues for the last 18 years, watching these contenders each year, that Ryan O'Reilly could easily, when healthy, he gets back from this broken foot, slip onto a good team and be a really big uh, difference maker. Uh, so I'm not on the Blues payroll. I'm not trying to get him a big <laughs> return. All I'm trying to say is that if I could handpick one guy in the last X amount of years who could come in and help a contender, it would be Ryan O'Reilly. I mean, you're, you're bringing in a Conn Smythe winner. It's, it's really, that's, that's all you have to say. And I think people understand what he could do for any playoff contender. Um, and I know there's a lot of people in Toronto who are deeply interested in bringing him into the fold if, if he can get healthy and um, if, the, if the price is right, I guess, also. Uh, Jeremy, really appreciate taking the time. Enjoy the game tonight, pal. Yeah, thanks. And now you're just rubbing it in because I thought about what that story would have uh, got readership-wise. <laughs> it it, it, it would have done uh, very well, I would think. <laughs> very well. But, hey, like you said, revisit it. And in six weeks when he gets back, and I'm sure it'll be even bigger because it'll be closer to the deadline. So I guess yeah. I'll get well, those Well, th- thanks for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> and uh, it be a fun game to watch. And, and it's Absolutely. a bummer I'm missing the uh, the temperature there in that Toronto. <laughs> yeah, it's not often that you can walk around in a T-shirt in, uh, in January and not be looked at funny. But yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, that's where we're at right now. I uh, appreciate it, Jeremy. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll chat soon. All right. See you guys. All right. There he goes, Jeremy Rutherford, St. Louis Blues writer for The Athletic. Josh Leba was a name, blast from the past. That's a name that I've forgotten about. Josh Lebo? I'm, oh I'm like, my the, goodness. He, like I, have, he I fell off my radar completely. He plays for the Blues, eh? Now he plays for the Blues. Top line. Apparently a <laughs> top line. So really bad starts. I want to go back to this because yep. this was... This is hilarious that this is a stat guy. I literally just looked at at like on hockey reference and I saw RBS and I'm like, what is RBS? And I hover around it and it says really bad starts. Starts with a save percentage below eighty five percent. Okay. I was that was my next question was what what is the criteria yeah. for a really bad start? Well, so I don't have you ever read the book by Rob Volman, Hockey Abstracts? I have it's like a hockey analytics book. Okay. I, I, I don't know if he's considered the godfather of hockey. I, I actually don't know, but he did write a book that is very much um, heavy hockey analytics, and apparently he developed this stat in his book called Really Bad Starts. I love and it. And Jordan Bennington has six of them, which is second in the NHL, tied with five players. Yeah, five players. Capo Kakinen leads the NHL with seven of his 15 games Ooh. being really bad starts. He's got an 872 save percentage in 15 starts. Oh, that's tough. It's not good. That's not good. It's not good for San Jose. I don't think uh, yeah, Toronto Toronto wouldn't be here because they've had great starts, actually. They've had really solid goaltending. How so I want to look you, at you got to go. Ilya Samsonov has two sub-850 starts, so he has two of them, which I is wanna... like 38th, I guess. Georgiev. Matt Murray is three. Georgiev is three for the Avs. Yeah. Not bad. A name that actually surprised me here is Jake Ottinger. Like Jake How many Ottinger, does he have? Five. Wow. Sub-850 save percentage. So he's just been... You can you can catch him at the right time, but other than that, he's just rock solid. He was so good in the playoffs last year. So good. He, he didn't have an RBS in the playoffs no, last year, that's no. for sure. Oh, God, no. He... I mean, the only reason why that game, that series won seven games was 
Jake Ottinger. Yeah. And he nearly brought them into the second round. Do they have the opposite stat of like, do they have RGS, really good start, where it's like 950 and above? Goalie point share, probably. Yeah. Which which is actually a a statistic that they do look at. Goalie point share. Uh, Goalie point shares leading the NHL is Connor Hellebuck. Mm. Jake Ottinger, funny enough, 5.7 goalie point share, which is fourth in the NHL. His five really bad starts, but has the fourth best goalie point share. He's on both sides of it. That's that's, that's pretty it. crazy. That's it. So he either <laughs> plays really, really good, or he has a stinker of a night. That apparent. That's what those statistics tell me. But uh, this is still a brand new stat that I'm just uh, I'm just toying with at, at the moment. But interesting. We're gonna have a lot of fun with this one. <laughs> yeah, we we might have to look at some other interesting stats in the break. But uh, on the other side, we're getting to Luca's list. I love Luca's list, and and this one is this was tough. For you, it's so a really tough one. We're looking at the five most electric players in the National Hockey League. This coming off of last night's goal by Connor Bedard, which was just I, I, like legitimately one of the most electrifying plays I've ever seen, mm-hmm. um, and it was just spectacular. For it to be an overtime winner at that, just kind of adds to to the aura of what that goal is and what that goal represents. Um, so. Because of that, we're coming up with this top five. So we'll get that to you on the other side. I'm Mike DiStefano with Luca Celebre. You listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. Back again. Now, back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. I need you to hold. Lunch continues here on TSN 1050. I'm Mike DiStefano. Got Luca Celebre in with me today. And uh, congratulations to uh, at Mike Etal on Twitter. You scored a pair of tickets to see the Leafs and Kraken on Thursday, January 5th. Follow at TSN 1050 on Instagram for your chance to win free Leafs tickets all season long. My guy, Mike. That's nice. Yeah. Nice little New Year present. Yeah, it's pretty good, actually. I mean, this I haven't seen the Kraken play because I didn't come last year. I don't believe I went and saw them play. Mm-hmm. So this this maybe I'll have to go down to go down there on Thursday, see the Kraken, just to say I have. <laughs> I like that. Just just to say that I've seen them play. Could be cool that Shane Wright playing for gold later that or that oh, same yeah. night. Which is that his birthday too? Is it? it oh, that's nuts. birthday. It, it was one of those Canada guys. Their birthday was. January fifth, and I'm pretty Shane sure Wright? Shane Wright. Wow. Yeah. So he could win himself a gold, and Seattle play in Toronto the same night. <laughs> subsequently, be sent to Kingston. Happy birthday. That would be wild. Don't come to Toronto. <laughs> Don't come to Seattle. Just go straight to Kingston, <laughs> and then maybe go somewhere else if they trade you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That could probably like that's probably going to happen. And you were talking about it earlier with with drags. CHL trades are wild. They're insane. But in the OHL, because you can't trade your first-round picks in the O, right? You can do that in the dub, but in the O, Ooh, I don't know. you cannot. I didn't know that. That's why you see 18 draft picks get traded, because <laughs> you can't trade your first-round pick. Makes sense. Unless that's been changed in the last couple of years, but I know that like at least pre-pandemic that was the case. I don't know if they change it. I would assume they haven't, but I know that's why you see legitimately like 14 second-round picks get traded, because you can't trade a first-rounder. Let's see. I'm, I'm just looking it up, so you may have to uh, 
babble here for a couple of months. Yeah, you may have to bear with me. The reason why I remember this is because I remember Jason Robertson, funny enough, uh, got traded. I've got traded to Niagara or from Niagara. But he got like 12 draft picks in return, and there was like eight second-round picks for the next eight years. Like They literally trade eight years down the road. It's insane. And then they'll just recoup and reload those picks when they're done their uh when they're done their run and then every five years these teams kind of cycle that's how the ohl works most of the time unless you're the london knights and kitchen rangers they're just always good that's true this so this article is from 2018 it's i think you're right about the first round picks but um as of 2018 they stopped they can only do five years right you can only do four years into the future yes so prior to that which i want to say was because robertson there was like a bunch of picks Going to like 2028. 20, it was insane. Absolutely insane. Anyways, let's get to your list, Luca, because I'm excited about this one. This was the toughest one yet, I think. Uh, honestly, it, this was pretty difficult. So, it, pretty much every time you're on, every time you're co hosting, we put together a list. Luca's list is what we like to call this. And today's list was inspired by Connor Bedard's dazzling goal last night to send Canada into the semifinals. Um, a game in which you'll, you can listen to right here on TSN 1050 tomorrow. They'll be taking on the Americans. But that goal inspired us to, uh, to put together a list, or you rather, to put together a list of the five most electrifying players in hockey. So not sports entertainment, because The Rock would be number one, clearly. <laughs> but in hockey. It's fair. So what do we got? We're going five through one, one through five. How do you want to sort this out? I honestly don't even know. I've been, like, tinkering with it and wondering <laughs> who I'm going to keep in and keep out. It's tough. Like, hockey's in such a great it really place is. right now when it comes to the skill level on the ice and the, like, they're just, everyone's electric in, in today's game. It's so hard to come up with five because like, you're going to leave so many terrific players off of your list, and you know your mentions are going to get filled. Like, how could you leave this guy off? It's like, I only had five options. Relax. I already feel bad. Okay, let's start at five. Tage Thompson. I'm going with Tage because okay. every goal he's ever scored is a highlight reel goal where he's dangling seven guys, and it looks even more impressive because he's just he's a large human being larger than any of the other guys on this list like he is so big and so tall that everything he does looks even more skilled because he's big and tall and his one-timer is just unbelievable like he's got an insane shot his hands are insane it seems like he pulls the Forsberg move where he like goes around the net and curls it in like i I don't even know i I don't even know how to describe the goals he scores other than electric tage thompson number five yeah that's i mean that's what he's been able to do i think last year was was considered an anomaly came from a guy who scored like eight goals to all of a sudden being a 38 goal scorer it's like okay this is impressive he's a good player but he's got to do it again to prove to me that this is who he is and now that he's you know done this in back-to-back years, he's got 27 goals through 35 games this year. And as you noted, there's the one game he had five goals, seven points. Everybody was on like Sittler watch yep. that night, right? It was insane. And uh, he certainly is one of the more electrifying guys um, this season, at the very least. And, and I think that he's he's a terrific player. Buffalo. I mean, we talk a lot about Ryan O'Reilly today. That was the main piece they got back in the Ryan O'Reilly deal. And for a while, that was considered a bust. 
and now they've got one of the top goal scorers in the NHL. And so, he's locked up long term. Yes, at like seven, seven and change. Fair price. Very. That's a steal. Could for be a in a hundred point scorer. I mean, he he's going to be in the mix for the Rocket Trophy. Yep. Through the duration of maybe that entire contract. Oh, that's insane. Yeah, at wild. Great work, Sabers. Um, number four. I don't know who to go with here between Kale McCarr and Kirill Kaprizov, so I'll go with both of them. I think <laughs> number four or number three, put them in whatever order you want. Okay. I don't know if enough people watch Kaprizov. He's he's just unbelievable. Well, his nickname is Kirill the, the Thrill. Thrill. It's in the nickname. Yes. And then also is Phil, and Phil wasn't electrifying. <laughs> I don't think we could say. Maybe not but. as electrifying as Kirill, but... He has just got an unbelievable shot. Yeah. So skilled. You know what? what's funny, though? I feel like left-handed players aren't as electric as right-handers for some reason. Like, there are more electric righties than there are lefties. Connor Bedard, right-handed. Tage Thompson, right-handed. McCarr, McKinnon, right-handed. Marner, right-handed. Eric Carlson, right-handed. I don't know what it is. Ovechkin, right-handed. Uh, lefties, there are still guys. some left. Like, obviously, we'll, we'll get Bedard, to... Bedard's a lefty. Bedard's a lefty? I thought he was a righty. Didn't no. He dangle? Yeah, he dangled. He was on his forehand. Are you last sure? Last night? When he dangled that, he was on I'm his really forehand. I'm really good at this game, so I think he's a righty. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember the play in my head, and if I'm not mistaken, he was dangling, went backhand, and he tucked it in on his forehand, but he was going left. So I, like, I'm a lefty, and that's how I would have done it. Let's see. So I'm, I'm pretty sure he's a lefty. I think but he's, to your no, point, he's a righty. He's definitely a righty. He's on the other side of the ice. He was on the other side. There it is. But to my point, righties are electric. As fewer <laughs> lefties are electric. I think with Kale McCarr, when you're talking about the electricity, though, it's the skating. The edge work on him is unbelievable. You think about the Kirby Dock spinorama goal in in Chicago when he went backhand top shelf on Flurry after. He's got unbelievable hands for a defenseman, but the skating is what makes him electric. And I feel like that's what separates a lot of these guys when we're talking about electricity. So. Yeah, those are my, my three and four spots. I like that. I like that. I, I like Kirill Kaprizov is he's he's such a he's a guy who doesn't get enough attention, I think, just because like Minnesota's a big market in Minnesota, but I don't know if they're necessarily a nationally big market. And, and I feel like he just doesn't get talked about nearly enough. Like Kaprizov to me, who's better who's a better player? Kaprizov or Panarin? I would say right now Kaprizov. And people talk about Panarin as this all-star, like one of the best wingers in the NHL. I would agree. I think Kaprizov is maybe a top three winger in the National Hockey League. Yeah, that's that's totally fair. He's, he's unbelievable. Um, Number two. I'll go Nathan McKinnon. When he's on the ice, he strikes fear into the souls of defensemen. Like... When you have that guy coming at you with a head of steam, I know Alex Petrangelo had the the viral mic'd up clip in, in Lake Tahoe being like, oh boy, yeah. he's coming, <laughs> and he scores. Like, he can just beat you in a variety of ways, and when you're thinking of the fastest players in hockey with the puck on their stick, you're thinking of Nathan McKinnon, and you're thinking of Connor McDavid, who's number one. I don't think there's an argument no. against McDavid being number one. Every time he touches the puck, it's it's must watch. It's box office. It's showtime. It's electricity. Use it, insert any adjective to describe him. When we talk about electrifying, we talk about players who move the needle. 
and, and help grow the game. Yeah. Like, that's what McDavid did. I mean, last year what he was doing in the playoffs, legitimately, you, you talk about, like, last season was the first year of the ESPN deal. The amount of people I saw in my Twitter timeline who generally don't watch hockey, like, just, just don't. But because it was on ESPN and because the buzz around what Connor McDavid was doing in the playoffs last year was incredible. It, it helped build the game and grow the game. And like, I know people who say, I don't really watch hockey until the playoffs because you got guys like that who do the things that he was able to do. The guy had, what, like 32 points in like 18 games last year? In the play- like it was insane. He led... He was eliminated in round three and still led the entire playoffs in scoring. It was insane. And now he's just on pace for like a cool one hundred and sixty point season. No yeah, big no deal. Big. Like no big. I don't probably I don't know. Probably gonna win the triple crown, Art Ross. Yeah. Hart, probably the Ted Lindsay too, if if you want to add that one in. He's gonna clean house. Yeah. Can you think Literally of a guy? Clean house. Can you think of a guy that scores more of those just I am going to dangle Right through your defense. I don't care if it's one on five. I don't care if it's one on two, one on one. Yeah, and and just score and make everyone look foolish. I can't think of another guy that does that consistently. Bedard in overtime against Slovakians. And that's what McDavid does every <laughs> night. And that's what McDavid does every night. Yeah, it's insane. Um, yeah, I mean he's clearly number one. Like that's that's the needle mover. That's that's he's the face of the NHL. Um, that's there's no question about that one uh, there were some names that like were left off here man i know explain leaving off eric carlson like the season that this guy is ha- he's gonna he's on pace for like 100 points as a defenseman mm-hmm. and i mean you talk about electrifying that's what this guy's game has always been it's true he was at one point the year that he took ottawa all the way to the conference final game seven overtime was being talked about as potentially the best player on the planet. Remember that pass against the Bruins? Yeah. I feel like I haven't seen that pass enough in my life recently, but that pass was just one of the most insane passes I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Yeah. I feel bad about leaving him off. He's having such a resurgence. I know. Maybe Maybe this is me having a little recency bias with what's going on with Carlson this year, and you're baking in the last few seasons. Maybe, but... but I mean, the, oh, this guy is—he's electrifying. He is. There's no, but it's a tough list. You know, there's only five it's a guys. Tough list. It's a tough list. How, like Austin Matthews is, is a pretty big omission from this list. What was your thought process for not including AM34 here? He's a tough one, and I think people will also say Jason Robertson, who's having an unbelievable yeah. season, follow up to an unbelievable season last year. I feel like they just dominate in a different way where it's not so much electric as it is just overwhelming with their shot. Mm-hmm. And Matthews, I guess, doesn't like when you're talking about electricity. I think f- speed is always the thing for me that that separates electric from not electric. And not to say he's not electric because that's wild to say he's not electric. <laughs> now we're now we're kind of just debating that. Goals. I know exactly. Like that's like, that's oh, electric. Who's this guy? That is absolutely electric. <laughs> but no, I think they just take over the game in a different sort of way than those other guys do. Um 
It's not really a good enough reason. Like, it's not a good, I don't feel good about the reasoning I just gave to say that he's not in my top five. I don't know. Do you agree? Do you disagree? <laughs> I, 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 I see where you're coming from. I think I would, I would probably agree in a sense that way. Um, cause he is just very much just an ox out there. You know what I mean? Like, it's not that he's out there skating, blowing past guys, making no. these unbelievable, you know, edge work type of plays. Like, I would say Marner's probably more electrifying by definition than Austin Matthews. Doesn't necessarily mean that he's the better player of the two, mm-hmm. but I think he might electrifying by definition and would probably give the nod to. I mean, is Nylander more electrifying than Matthews? I don't know about that. No, maybe. I, I don't. I don't I think so. I no. I, recently, I would say recently he's been very electrifying. electrifying. Yeah, he's been um, outstanding as of late. But yeah. It's it's a great conversation though because I think like when it's Matthews it's more the puck is on his stick in his favorite spot he's taking one one stride a little toe drag and you know that that puck is probably going in the net when he gets that kind of look I think also another big difference and maybe Tage Thompson actually Tage does this a lot the five guys you have on your list more prone to taking the puck to the net and trying to deke the goaltender yeah. A lot, as opposed to Austin, who will just beat you cleanly with a shot. That's fair. Which, which is, it's more electrifying to see guys bear down and go through five players. Of course, to do it right. But so when you can, when you can beat everyone outside with such an incredible to. shot, exactly, you don't have to. That's why Gretzky put up like eight hundred goals from so far out. There you go. <laughs> Didn't have anything to do 90s. with. Uh, with the goalies not being able to go down? Oh, yeah, there's, there's some of that, too. We're not going <laughs> to no, have any, Wayne is any great. goat Wayne slander. Is great. No, 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 no. No goat no. slander on this program. Um, Julia, though, would say that you left off yes. Trevor Zegers. And I left off Jack Hughes, too, because I, I think they're they're kind of one and the same as far as the youth movement goes. Mm-hmm. Um, everything about them is kind of electric. Um, I mean... The all-star game shootout stuff, that was electric with both of them. Zegris is just a human highlight reel. I, I think he has more of an electric personality than an electric game. If that makes sense. That does make sense. Like, he's got electric plays, but is he necessarily, like, 60 minutes of pure electricity? I don't know. I have not watched enough Anaheim Ducks games to give you that answer. You're not up at 11 p.m. on a Tuesday watching I am not. play Arizona? No? I am not. Call no. yourself a hockey fan. When, just, even, when they're, even when they're playing Colorado, I might not be up for that one. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. It's a long season. Is, I mean, he is... He is definitely an extremely talented player. Absolutely. Uh, but there's a lot of guys who, like, we could list off probably 25 oh, honorable goodness. mentions onto this list. But you had McDavid, Tage Thompson, Kirill Kaprizov, Kale McCarr. Well, I thought it would be higher on your list, to be honest. And uh, Nathan McKinnon also on your list. So good stuff, pal. Uh, let's take Thank a quick you. break. When we get back, we'll get into tonight's game, Leafs Blues. Puck drop at 7 at Scotiabank Arena. We'll tee it up from a gambling perspective. It's Al's Brothers School Degeneracy next. Welcome back in the Leafs Lunch. 
got a game tonight. Got the Leafs taking on the St. Louis Blues down at Scotiabank Arena. I'm Mike DiStefano. I got Luca Celebre with me. And Leafs Lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards. Available at Petro Canada. The perfect gift for any occasion. And with that, let's get to Al's brother's School of Degeneracy. Time now for Al's brother's School of Degeneracy. Back to school. All right, Luke, I got three plays for tonight's game. First one, I like the Maple Leafs to win tonight. I think they win by a couple of goals, but I'm going to couple the puck line bet with a William Nylander anytime goal. You can parlay that one uh, for plus 235. Nylander's been on fire. Um, as of late. So I think he buries one tonight and the Leafs end up winning by a couple of goals on home ice with Samsonov getting back there where he is undefeated uh, since becoming a Toronto Maple Leaf. I also think that we'll see more than three goals for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So over three and a half goals scored for the home team tonight, paying minus 118. We had just talked about it with Jeremy Rutherford, how this team has kind of been a little leaky defensively. The goaltending hasn't been great for uh, the St. Louis Blues. No Ryan O'Reilly, no Tarasenko, no Tory Krug. Uh, it doesn't really bode well when you're on the road taking on this team who generates a lot and has been finishing even more uh, as of late. So I like over three and a half goals for the home side tonight in the Toronto Maple Leafs. And then now let's go back to the well with William Nylander. Over three and a half shots, paying plus money at plus 108. So I expect that top line to keep it rolling tonight. And uh, so you can make all three of those wagers over on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. I like him. Yeah? I like him. I like going heavy willy. I think uh, think that's a safe safe space to to go into well he's just been so good recently he's been so consistent he's been very reliable i've made a lot of money with William lander of late so i just keep going back to the well you know why what's the the phrase there don't why mess with a good thing yeah sure let's use that one <laughs> i was like don't uh don't fix what ain't broke oh yeah like if, it, if it ain't broke don't fix that's it. the one there I we go looking for. <laughs> that's the one i was looking for but, i like it but yeah like i mean willie's a guy he's coming in in his last few games he had oh boy in his last nine games six goals his last nine games 14 points all right so i mean the guy's got 41 shots too in his last nine games. He is just firing them. Yeah. What was the over-under for the shots? Three and a half? Three and a half. All right. Yeah. He I like it. Th- only three shots last time they played St. Louis. So he's he going over this goal, time. Like one more shot. Uh, and then he had six shots on goal in Arizona. He had eight shots in the game against Tampa right before the holiday. Wow. So he's, uh, he's prone to firing the puck. That's for sure. That is for sure. Uh, how do you think tonight shakes out? I think it's a tough spot for the Blues. <laughs> You've, we've talked about just how inconsistent they've been defensively, and unless it's a heroic effort in between the pipes without O'Reilly and Tarasenko, um, I, I think it's just all a little too much for them against a really talented Leafs team. So I like the Leafs by a couple of goals. Like them to score probably three or more. 
Uh, I think that's all we safe. Want four. We want four. We want so four. Maybe uh, maybe fours <laughs> in the cards, but yeah, this is just a really tough spot for St. Louis. Like your first game with these injuries, you don't have a lot of time to adjust and shake things up, and now you're going against a pretty pretty hot team, one of the best teams in hockey. Yeah, and and their penalty kill has been atrocious this year. Seventy one percent, twenty ninth in the. In the NHL, so I think Toronto's going to look to capitalize there too, which I think could allow them to to, to get up to that number four number mm-hmm. is what I'm hoping. So like it, uh, yeah. If they can capitalize, and I mean the, the 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 Leafs, they've been able to win these games of late. You know, the the one against Arizona last week, I guess that was one where you should have won that you didn't. But more recently, I guess from November onward, they've been winning most of the games that they should. And it's not just that they're winning them, they're dominating them, and they're establishing their game and playing right. And when you're on home ice, you have last change, you get to dictate the matchups, they got to do the same thing tonight against St. Louis. And I think they should be perfectly fine, pick up another two points, and uh, try and Try and stay on pace with the Buffalo, uh, with the Boston Bruins, who just keep winning. Another win last night or yesterday at Fenway Park. Goodness. Yeah, yeah. They just keep winning games, man. It's it's insane how many games this uh, this Boston Bruins team have won. I mean, they're. I'm pretty sure they still haven't lost a game in, in regulation, regulation at home. home. I wonder if you're like how how demoralizing is it? Just nineteen zero and three home record. <laughs> If you're the Leafs, you're you're sitting here and just like we've had one of the best stretches we've had in a long, long time, and you're checking the standings and the scores every night, and the Boston Bruins just are keeping in lockstep with you and not losing anything, and you're not getting any ground on them. It's just like, well, I guess we are staying in second place, and we are playing for second place. Like the Leafs have been on fire. Yeah, and they're still ten points back. Boston. She's nuts. Still 10 points back. So they, they got to win to keep up, and they'll have an opportunity to do that tonight against the St. Louis Blues. All right, that'll do it for us here today. Appreciate you. Are you in at all uh, this week, the rest of the week, or is that it for you? I don't think so, but I'm sure I'll be, uh, I'll be sitting in this, this room at some point at some with point. you guys, with you and JT, hopefully next time. Yeah, all right. We got uh, a bit of a revolving chair of co-hosts throughout the week, and then... She's back next week, and it'll be her and I again for uh, for a while. All right, that does it for us here today. If you missed the show, you can find it on tsn1050.ca, the Art Radio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Mike DiStefano for Luca Chalabra. You've been listening to Leafs Lunch Gameplay with Matt Cause. Next.